Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Book or books? Are you sit, are sitting on your nightstand right now? Well, you know what? I love a book that falls open and that you can literally fall into. Oh, especially when you are reading a book with others, talking about falling into a book. It's so fun to talk about, um, like, for instance, we're, we're reading The Circle Maker as a, as a whole congregation at church. And I love that because when you read a book together, you also start thinking together. And it makes you look at things through the same lens. Well, and you can say a, a certain phrase or a terminology and know what, you're, what each other's thinking, like you said, and to know what that means. And to go, okay, so what did you think about that? Uh, have a good dialogue where you can really learn from each other as you're learning through the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay, before we get too far into our show, we want to remind you that you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. Also, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, I'm going to give you a quote because you know we love quotes, and it says, A reader lives a thousand lives before he dies. The man who never reads lives only one. And that was by G. Martin. That's pretty significant. And that is because not only do you just live your life, but sometimes it could be lonely if you're not seeing it through the lens of of a book or an adventure or a whole other lifetime. It really does expand your horizon. Yes. So, well, our first guest today is a good friend, ministry partner, fellow caffeine lover (laughs) who's addicted to faith family, friends, and lots of fun, and who is living a thousand lives as a reader and a woman of influence. Well, Girlfriended has partnered with a dynamic ministry and a group of girlfriends from Bloom, which is a part of a ministry called Stadia. And Stadia is bringing people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planning. It's a thriving ministry, Um, Bloom is of Stadia, and Bloom provides inspiration, encouragement, and resources for church planters' spouses so they can provide the same to their families, staffs, and churches. Well, our guest today, Debbie Jones, is the Director of Spouse and Family Support for Stadia, and she's passionate for the spouses of church planters. She leads the ministry of Bloom and has rallied some pretty remarkable church planters' wives who we've had the opportunity to meet on radio, and just we fall in love with them. And they're using their influence together to make a difference literally all over the world. Well, we are excited for you to meet our, our good friend. And we know that you're going to fall in love with her just as much as we have, and you're going to enjoy getting to know her. So first of all, welcome, Debbie, to Girlfriend at Radio. Oh, thank you, girl. Thank you, girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm saying, ready. It's a fun time today. Yes, we are, because we're, Debbie, we're talking today about um, what books do you have on your nightstand, and the ones that have influenced um, just your your leadership 
or you even see as the, the book actually mentored you in some way. Well, I love this topic. I really love the topic because lately I have actually been more convinced than ever that we do need to read. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, the Ministry of Bloom uh, is all about empowering. I want to empower women uh, to be the best leaders they could be so they can serve Christ and, and in their churches and in their ministries the best. And so I really do believe that that reading is um, and is just a great tool for that. Um in fact, I believe it so much that I encouraged our ladies to write a book themselves about their story, about their walk of life, because I think we can share with one another. And, and uh, so we actually, uh, Ann Milam, one of our pastor's wives, wrote a book called Bloom, Where You're Planted. And I loved it because it was just real stories. And every time I read it, I think, oh, yeah, I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. And I hear that all, all the time. Um, and so I really love this topic about talking about books. Um, and what we read. Um, I've also been lately. I've been um, convicted that a lot of um, a lot of women, especially, have so much on their plate that they're pulled from every direction. You know, their wives, their moms, they're working outside the home. They're many times in ministry. They're just doing lots of things. And so I've been reading other books that deal with that lately, like No Perfect Moms. I think that's a great book. It just is so practical. Um, I um, Probably that book there is just a good book to say, hey, we're not perfect, are we? And we always can laugh and say, the person, yeah, I remember my kid doing that. Or, you know, when we say, well, I'd never do that, you know, ever. My kid would never do that. We find ourselves, oh, yeah, they will, you know, looking back. <laughs> um, uh, another book that I think that for me, uh, I read several a few years ago that really kind of was one of those books that, that's on my big list is too small to ignore and mm. by west stafford mm -hmm. and um i love that book because i really believe if you think about it children are close to the heart of god mm -hmm. and um i had the chance the privilege of going um on a trip and um and we had planted a lot of churches in latin america and so um We've had that privilege of seeing the, the story of what Stafford is, is about, challenging us to not to understand that most people accept Christ between the ages of 4 and 14. And mm -hmm. so if we really believe that, um, then they really are too small to ignore, isn't it? I mean, and so that book was, was one of those that I read in a plane, and I thought, as I was, oh, I just couldn't put it down. I kept did thinking. You, did you read that one with tears in your eyes? <laughs> yeah. No, I really did. I mean, you know, there's all the books of, you know, making yourself a better, you know, more fit and all that stuff, you know. And it, But this book, I just thought it was an aha moment because I thought we in churches, especially, we go after all, we spend enormous amounts of our budgets on, um, you know, marketing and bringing great programming in and so forth. But do we really intentionally go after the heart of a child really and so um that book i think actually probably i've been in children's ministry in the past for years and years but it made me really sit back and rethink um my whole approach to not just having a good children's ministry but really discipling children and really having an impact for the next generation behind me um you know, I really wanted to have that. You know, I want to make a difference with the generations behind me. And that book was one that really kind of 
for that. You know, I thought, oh, that's a good book, you know? Well, I can't help because you're, you're making, just spurring my thoughts. What is one thing that you were able to walk away from that book and actually apply in, in your ministry for the children? Well, because of that book, um, you know, we kind of, um, Stadia as a whole, um, one of our core values is children. And so, um, you know, I have really been able to, I think I walked away and, and I was able to look at pastors and I, I began to champion that value. I began to say, look, uh, the whole family, if you think of a pastor's family, because that's where my heart is that with this ministry is to, you know, raise up strong families and strong leadership. And, you know, um, I mean, if you think about our country, I mean, strong families with strong leadership is really a key. And so for me, real, just all of a sudden doing an aha that children are close to the heart of God. And there's so many scriptures about children and, and our families. And um, we, are, we can be busy about work and busy about things. And I think that's what it convicted me. But am I really slowing myself up to realize that even the heart of a child is really where most people make decisions for the Lord? So that, that was one thing that kind of, for me, was a big thing. Um, I love leadership, empowering leadership, uh, books like Leading and Loving It. I think that's a great book. Um, you know, I think that, that was uh, something that, um, you know, had a lot of just good practical things. I think that you ought to love what you do in life. Really love it. doesn't mean every day is you know, easy, but just loving what you do. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think if God called us to lead, uh, you know, I think you need to use that gift if he's called you to lead. And I am um, sold out for that. I really believe that um, we need to do that more. Well, basically, the thing is using your, your influence, you know, when you're saying leadership, because a lot of times women shy away from that word leader, and, and they, it, it kind of becomes like a burden for them to carry. But if you say use your influence, everybody has influence, and everybody can speak into or share, and, and it makes it a little, a little bit more... Um, it's, it's easier. It's lighter to, to carry that, that word influence. And, and, you know, you're right. It's like enjoying what you're doing, and, and books challenge you like you're talking about with the children it just they open up a whole new paradigm sometimes in your thinking and and takes you in a different direction well debbie we just have less than two minutes and we're going to take a break so share keep sharing with us one more you know thing that you're learning about your leadership even as you're going into um this year or a ministry year what kind of things are you being impressed upon well okay um i love maxwell's um, you know, I think John Maxwell has a lot of good stuff um, on leadership. Um, I think that he's one of the things I have learned about leadership. You know, um, you can't be a good leader if you don't have followers. You know, and so I want to set the pace of of empowering women to see to look to me to say what are some ways that I can be a better leader. One of it is through training, and one of it is through God letting you lead. And I think obviously, read having a, a spiritual. Um, you know, it, having reading the Bible and having intentional time with God is foremost. But in addition to that, reading materials that inspire you to be to bring out whatever gift it is that God gave you is really important. And uh, I think having um, you know responding to God's call for you, you know, and I can sometimes books you'll be attracted to books that maybe bring out your calling. 
You know, I think that's what I love about reading. Um, books that, um, you know, something will stand out of the pages if it's, if it's something that God is putting on a calling for you. It'll just like be popping off the page. And I think that's so cool when that happens. Well, we're going to stop right there and we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back talking about books of influence. Stay with us. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Equipped with the right skills, knowledge, and most of all the right questions, you too could have the success you're looking for. Join Laura Atchison as she hosts the Entrepreneur Masterclass each Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's been said success comes from not only what you know, but who you know. But what if you don't have access to the top experts? Well, that has changed. Laura Atchison, best-selling author, international speaker, and business strategist, brings you top experts from all around the world to help you take your business and your life to new heights. Join Laura for the Entrepreneur Masterclass every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the All Business Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to our show as we continue our conversation about using your influence in leadership and the significance of books as our instructors. And we've been talking with our girlfriend, Debbie Jones, who uses her influence in a very significant and empowering way. Debbie leads an amazing team of women who share the same journey in life, wives of church planners. And this is a unique role and one you don't want to live alone. And uh, Debbie, we were laughing when you mentioned that you uh, love John Maxwell and his books because he he's one of our favorites. And um, just a funny story, this was several years ago when his book came out, The 360 Degree Leader, and I was salivating to get this book, but it hadn't hit the bookstores yet, but we went to this conference that we were speaking at, and lo and behold, there was a pile, like a, like a pyramid full of 360 degree um, leadership books, and I was like, Lisa, 
they are giving those books away for free. You know how excited you get when things are free, but yet alone when it's something you really want. And so we went to the booth with the agent there that was promoting his books and um, there in that, in that booth that day. And we let him know. I mean, we were ecstatic. We were like, oh, you have no idea how we, we were excited that his new book was coming out. We can't believe you have stacks of them here. Um, are you, you know, are they on sale? Like we, we knew they were free. <laughs> we were trying to get to the point. He goes, well, um, right now we're going to, we're going to keep them in this little pyramid pile. And uh, I, I'm going to give them away um, perhaps tomorrow. Why don't you come back tomorrow? And so we thought, okay, so then the next day it was the first thing we were, we were there at that booth ready for that book. And it was kind of interesting because the pilot had gone down. Um, there were still several of them left, but he ended up uh, looking at us and talking to us for a while. And apparently because we were women, and I know this sounds, it does not put this particular booth in a good light, but I think he thought, you know, there's probably a better way to give these books out for free and one that would have more influence than just the females that are asking for them here. <laughs> and so he looked and he gave me a very pretty teal journal. And he gave, uh, what did he give you, Lisa? He gave me a book on being a, you know, a great wife. Oh, yes. <laughs> being a, a good wife. And so we get these books and we're like, but we want the leadership one. You know, I mean, it's, we didn't say that out loud, but we're like, you know, we're, thank you so much. But it's like walking away going, oh, okay, apparently... <laughs> But, but we, we didn't even really get what just happened because we went in there. I mean, obviously, we really wanted that book. And we realized we walked away. We were not getting that book. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, like Lisa said, women sometimes have a tendency to shy away from that leadership word. But many times it's um, also pushed on you uh, from others that, well, you know what? I don't necessarily think you, you should be leading or uh, that you have the capacity and maybe you don't have as big of an influence here that we would rather give this to your male counterpart. So that's, it's just funny. But I, that was a story. But I have to ask you, um, you and Lisa had talked recently just about, you know, your full plate of responsibilities and roles and uh, how we just last week talked with a gal who wrote a book on boundaries. And I know for women, the boundaries, if we don't have those boundaries, stress seems to just exude out of us at times. So how do you deal with uh, the just stress in, in your leadership role? And just managing all the roles and responsibilities that you carry. And, you know, like Deb, you and I talked about it one time, especially, you know, the different generations, we have different levels of stress and different views of what that looks like. But all of us bring to the table and have to go, okay, how do I how do, I, how do I find myself without losing myself in all, all these roles and responsibilities? So what are you seeing regarding women and stress? Well, I see a lot of stress in women. And I think that because I've mentioned before that women are just pulled from so many directions. You know, we have a hard time finding time to sit down by the nightstand and read. Um, you know, I know recently um, Beth Moore like, was giving away some of her studies, which were awesome. I mean, everybody was, it was just like going through Facebook, like everybody get on and download from Amazon Beth Moore studies. Because I think we hunger for quiet time with God, but yet it's just our life is so, you know, it revolves so fast. So I'm seeing that women are just over the top busy. And if we need to, um, we need to schedule, I guess, time periods of time to 
step out, uh, unplug in a sense. And um, I'm seeing that that I'm seeing that the expectations of women is just getting higher and higher. And women are, I don't want to see the stress levels of women saying, I'm not meeting the expectations of, of other people. I want them to meet the expectations of what God called them to do. Okay. That's important to me. So if they need to read or if they need to study or if they need to be quiet, you know, schedule time or, or find a way that they can step out and and just listen to the heart listen to god you know listen to the voice of god for their life and uh um i think honestly uh, just practical ways for me for stress when i get stressed um you know things i have to realize who's in control god is really in control not me and uh you know i can make all the lists i want and i do do that i think prioritizing uh what is the best uh, not just a, a good answer. What is the best uh, place for me to use my time? Because time is the, probably the one commodity that we as women are all stretched. Um, and I think actually being on the journey with other women. I think, you know, a lot of women, like you said, we with social media, we can read a book. We can share our thoughts through Facebook and other ways. We, don't, we can share um, what we have. Um, you know, it's really interesting for me that um, I'm not on a journey by myself. I've got a whole bunch of girlfriends going with me, okay? And we love to just throw out what God spoke, you know, oh, yeah, well, what about this and what about that? So people are speaking into my life um, through my ministry and close girlfriends, and I think that's important. It helps me deal with the stress then to know I'm not alone. I got it. And you have that same issue, huh? Okay, where did where did you get help? And then they will direct me to maybe some resource or a website or a book or or something they read, some quote or something that they read that helped me. So um, those are a few things for me that that I'm seeing. Well, and that's what's well, interesting about what you even with Zoom is providing that place where women can come together, share their heartbeats, share their challenges, and encourage each other. We, we need a place to go for encouragement. And that's why Patty and I, you know, years ago, just said, okay, we want to provide those resources and places to, of encouragement that, you know, where we're saying we get it and we understand and here, let's all pull together. And how can we be your cheerleaders as you go and do whatever God has called you to do in your sphere of influence and in your place? And so even with Bloom, and that's why it's been such a great partnership with Girlfriend It and Bloom and just getting girlfriends together just, just to talk about these things and to be real and feel like there's a safe place where you can voice. This is really what I'm feeling, you know, using discernment. And we don't have a lot of safe places, especially as, as pastor's wives and just as leaders in any ministry or wherever you are leading. It's hard to find those safe places and people that really genuinely care about you and and want you to succeed and not see you as competition. And so it's like finding those places where you can. And books are a great place to, to go and to go, okay, I'm not alone. And so many times we're, we feel isolated where we are leading and using our influence. And books help us to, to remind us that you're not alone, that there are other people sharing the same things. And you learn through stories. Mm-hmm. Stories are such a great way to learn and hear and Story, stories stick. Well, and, and some tips stick. I know uh, uh, Bill Hybel's Courageous Leadership, that book was the beginning of us figuring out when we put people on our teams to go with the, the four C's, um, that they're competent and um, coachable. Uh, what was, Now all of a sudden I can't, and we live by these, 
chemistry and chemistry character. And character. And um, this really helped, especially with the chemistry. So many times you you put someone on your team because they can propel it forward, mm-hmm. but the the chemistry on the team, it's not going over well, and you can't figure out, you can't put a finger on it. And then when we read that, we were like, duh, they have to have the chemistry um, in order to have that whole flow and be able to propel the ministry forward. So there's certain tips and books that are life-changing for you as well that you have to read. You have to be able to um, take in what other people, their experience and their knowledge to be able to form your leadership. And that is one thing even, um, you know, like you said, Debbie, it's like to find the luxury time to have a book on your nightstand that you're actually going to read. And so, you know, different seasons of life, especially when you're a mom of, of young kids, that you that is such a luxury to have even, you know, 10 minutes to read. And if, then if you start reading, you fall asleep. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's like finding that time where you can, where you can do that. But it, even if you can find snippets, that's what I always tell women, find little snippets because you never know what, what you can learn. And just in, in 10 minutes time, if you can find that every once in a while, because I find that my, my best seasons of growth are when I am reading in a season mm-hmm. of reading. And when I that's find good. myself not in where I haven't read anything for a while, I find that I, I tend to go stagnant yeah, easier. You're not thinking. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. challenging me in my thinking. Well, Debbie, we only have two, less than two minutes. We want to thank you again for joining our show, for the uh, amazing work you are doing in leading Bloom and all the girlfriends at Bloom. We say hi to them and appreciate their leadership. And like you said, they're writing books. They are speaking. They are doing so many amazing things literally all over the world. And just a great reminder. So is there something that you would like to say just to encourage women where they're at um, that you want us to, as to know as, as we leave? I would just say to really um, seek and recognize um, what is it that God is calling me to do and then intentional, be intentional about that. Uh, be intentional about what you read, about be intentional, you know, like you said, snippet. Put it in the car and when you're waiting in a line to pick up kids for school or whatever, but seek God and, and, and be a learner. A, a great leader is a learner. And so that's what I think I would walk away with. You know, never stop learning because I think that's biblical. I think God was a storyteller and, and taught us through stories. And, uh, and so I, I believe he wants us to tell our stories and he wants us to read our story and share with each other our stories to help us get through all of life. So I love your topic. I love what you gals are doing. And uh, thank you for letting me be a part of uh, this really exciting topic about just being a learner and reading and what, how it's impacting our lives. Well, we just appreciate you sharing what has impacted you. And that's what we love to hear. So if you have more, you know, keep, keep the dialogue going on Facebook and we, you can learn more information about bloom on our website at girlfriended.com and some of the amazing things they are, they're doing and, and uh, the encouragement there. So we want to, as we go into a break, we, we found another quote we love. And this is one by Dorothy Love who will be joining us next. You can never get a cup of tea large enough or a book long enough to suit me. And that, that is so true because you do associate, you know, having sitting down with a nice warm beverage and a good book and just, you know, losing yourself into that. Well, thank you, Debbie, for joining us. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back. Hey, thanks so much. This is Girlfriended on Toginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, 
Girlfriended. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Have you got kids? Need a little help dealing with your everyday battles? Is it time for you to call in reinforcements? Then join us each week for Mommy Warriors Live as longtime mob bloggers Alyssa Banco and Nicole Perry share their informative and hilarious stories from the front lines of parenthood. Armed with nothing but band-aids, some tissue, and a half-charged cell phone, there's no parenting battle the Mommy Warriors can't solve. Tune in each Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another episode of Mommy Warriors Live. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. back to our show. This day we are talking about books and we asked the question earlier, what book or books are on your nightstand? And we're going to be talking right now about a book that you might want to put on your nightstand very soon. Uh, joining us now is author Dorothy Love, who just completed work on Carolina Gold, a single title historical novel inspired by the life of a woman rice planter in the South Carolina. And when Dorothy isn't busy writing or researching her new book, she loves hiking and hanging out with her husband, Ron, and their two golden retrievers. Uh, they are lifelong avid travelers, with which Dorothy, Lisa, and I, we, we, we salivate all the time to um, travel. So you are talking our language there. And <laughs> you guys have gone all over. You've explored um, the cities and, the, and just literally all over the world. So we, we want to hear a little bit more about that. But welcome to our show today, Dorothy. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be with you guys today. So just off topic, um, where, where have you gone in your exotic travels that you go, I have got to go back here? Oh, gosh. Um, I guess number one that I would love to go back to would be New Zealand. Mm. Uh, we spent um, about three weeks there um, several years ago traveling. The, New Zealand, as you probably know, is a country that's actually made up of two separate islands, North Island, South Island, separated uh, by uh, a little body of water. And um, so we flew into, um, we flew in actually to Tahiti first, and that was, um, that was exciting uh, to fly into Papeete, Tahiti at 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, refueled there, and then from there flew on into uh, Auckland, New Zealand, and um, so we rented a car and spent about a week and a half in the North Island and then turned the car in and jumped on a plane and went to the South Island, spent another couple of weeks there. Mm-hmm. Um, we were we happened to be in Christchurch um, on Christmas Eve, and we got to go to um, Christmas Eve services at the cathedral. 
um, and they had the the boys choir, the New Zealand boys choir was there um, doing the Christmas Eve um, service, and it was one of the most moving and beautiful um, Christmas Eves that we we've ever had, um, and uh, we were just heartbroken about three or four years ago. Um, New Zealand had a um, a very uh, strong earthquake, and the cathedral sustained so much damage that they had to tear it down. So um, I still I, I blogged about that not too long ago on my website because uh, that remains one of the most wonderful Christmases um, in our memory, uh, being at um, a Christmas Eve service at Christ Church Cathedral. Um, being in New Zealand is kind of like being you know in the U.S. back in the 1950s. They don't have big supermarkets. You know you go to a dairy store to buy your bread, your milk, and you go to a bakery to buy your bread, and you go to a butcher to buy your meats. So it's a, a much more laid-back lifestyle there, and the people are, are fabulous. The scenery is breathtaking. So, you know, if all out of all of the places that we've been, if, if I could only choose to go back to one place, I think it would be New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can't help but... Um, Lisa and I have so many uh, stories that as soon as you said Christmas time spent um, in Europe, uh, we spent Christmas last year in New York, and there was one point where there this woman was uh, sitting next to us, and we were in this beautiful cathedral there in in New York, and uh, I was sitting next to Lisa's daughter, and we were listening to this Christmas music in this cathedral. I, I want to say it was Holy Night. Cause it was it all was Holy Night, so I was night. like in my zone. I was I thought I, you know, the angels were singing to me. And, and it was. It was, just, <laughs> it was stunning. And this woman next to me, I want to say she was from Budapest or um, and she was just, she was stunning and she was wearing this like, you know, all white hat and jacket and you can tell she just had that very traditional, um, that European, you know, look. And, um, in the midst of this old holy night, uh, she yelled out bravo, bravo, which is, you know, normal if you're in a European country. Well, um, <laughs> and an American concert. <laughs> yes. And, um, Lisa's daughter, just looked over at me thinking I was the one yelling out bravo. Because it, w- it, wouldn't be Ad- it wouldn't be out of Patty's character to yell bravo in church. And, uh, and so Lisa looks over with a scolding look, like unbelievable. I cannot believe you just did that. That is so inappropriate. And I didn't I, say that. I no, just said, really? I, I said, bravo in church? I said you <laughs> And so I sat there and I got the giggles because I thought, there is no way I can deny this because it is so much my character that I would do something that inappropriate. um, So I started chuckling so hard and it was one of those like I I was just full of glee. Like I felt like God was hugging us because it was such a laughable moment and then at the end she stood up and she started clapping and yelling bravo. So it kind of redeemed me that I didn't do this behavior. (laughs) But it's funny how when you travel like that and you experience Christmas or or anything, you know, it's just it it almost it makes you it just revives you. It makes you come alive. And mm-hmm. I bet you when you travel like that, it it presents such a what would be the word in in helping you with your writing too. Does it just make your your Simulate words different thinking and yeah, and, you can parallel something. yeah your thoughts. And is that the case when you travel? Oh yeah, you know I I, I keep journals. In fact, um, just the other day I looked um, at a journal from um, when I finished my doctorate in 1984. I was just literally exhausted on the floor because I was working full time and I also was 
finishing up um, finishing up a PhD, and so we went on. My husband took me on a two week cruise uh, through the Panama Canal and uh, the Caribbean, and just some wonderful places. And I dug that um, that journal out, um, the journal from the cruise, just the other day um, to reread, you know, some of the passages and and to look again at some of the places that we visited, um, because a lot of times, you know, uh, little snatches of of my travel experiences make them make their way into um, the novel, and of course, with, in the case of Carolina Gold, um, we've been going to the South Carolina Low Country uh, for probably 15 years, um, just so um, caught up in the the history um, of that place and the just how Charleston still, you know, you stand in Charleston and you still just breathe in, you know, those centuries of of, of history you know, the good and the bad, uh, but it's, it's, it's such a palpable thing there. And the, the, uh, the remains of the plantation houses that still exist on the PD and the Waccamaw Rivers where the, the story is set um, are just sort of living monuments to that way of life that, you know, for all of its horror um, also holds, you know, an important place in in South Carolina history and in the history of of the entire South, actually. Um, And so a lot of those experiences uh, in South Carolina uh, with the the sweetgrass basket weavers and going up the Petey River with a guide to actually look at Chikora Wood, which is Mrs. Alston's um, childhood home and where she actually passed away um, in 1921, Um, all of that, you know, was inside me as I was writing uh, this fictional story of, of Charlotte Frazier and her attempts to um, to revive the rice trade on the river after the war. So yes, it's all, you know, everything, every experience that I've had, every piece of travel that I've done has contributed, you know, either directly or indirectly to, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the writing of the books. Okay, so if I, I am like, and Patty, both of us, I'll, I'll put a we here. We, you know, you, you wait, always go, wait, yeah. don't put a we there until I hear what you're going to no, say. No, it's a we. <laughs> um, you know, we always go, we should write that down because you have all these experiences and we should write that down. Yeah, Is that appropriate? Do. Yeah, we do okay. say that a lot. And, and then we don't take the time to discipline. And then I always forget a good story. She remembers, the, you know, the experience better than I do and can and bring it up. But what is your discipline? When, like, you're traveling all over your New Zealand, you have these experiences, or you're traveling in the, the low country of South Carolina, whatever, you have it. What is your discipline to go, instead of relying on your mind, because mm-hmm. my mind yeah, is not that great That's a great, great question, anymore, yeah. What is your discipline for remembering this so that they do find their way into your books later and they, they're fresh and alive? I don't want to spend my time writing because I might miss something. I know, yeah. but you well, have to yeah. And that, you know, and that is a balance. And I think that's something that, you know, all writers um, struggle with. I once knew um, a writer who many, many years ago um, went to Europe for like a month. And when she got back, I was like, oh, I can't wait to see your photographs. I want to see your pictures. I want to hear all about it. You know, where are your pictures? Where are your pictures? And she was like, I didn't take any. And I said, what? You were in Europe for a month and you didn't take any pictures. And she said, I was afraid I would miss something. I was afraid that I would spend so much time behind the lens that I would miss being in the moment. And so I chose not to take any pictures. Um, she uh, is obviously has a much better memory than I do because I wouldn't trust my memory. You know, one of the things that I take very seriously as an author of historical fiction is getting the history right. And I don't trust myself 
to remember all of that. And so if I know for sure that I'm going to write about a particular place, then I do try to take notes, you know, a notebook, and I take photographs. Um, I did a research trip on the Waccamaw and the PD Rivers um, the summer before I actually began writing um, Carolina Gold, and I took, you know, and on the boat with me and the river guide, I took, you know, my little notebook, and he was saying, well, now this is where the Sandpit River and the PD and the Waccamaw all come together, and I was looking around and just jotting notes to myself about my first impressions of it and how I looked, and of course, I had my camera there, and um, and I, I took pictures, but, you know, after 15 years of going to the low country, it, it really has become a part of who I am, and um, so I, I, you know, I know a lot of the history, and I've been to a lot of the plantations, and so this this trip up the river was actually specifically for the purpose of seeing Chicora Wood because I knew that I was going to model Fairhaven Plantation, which is totally fictional, after Chicora Wood, and I I needed to see what it looked like and how it sat on the river and all of those kinds of things, and so I paid particular attention to that. Um, but, you know, I have a book coming out next year that's set in Savannah, Georgia, and I went to Savannah 20 years ago without any expectation of ever writing a book set in Savannah, and so I don't have any research photos of Savannah, you know, so I've been looking on YouTube and all that, and at some point I'll take a trip down there and just make sure that I've put, you know, streets and buildings and everything in the right place. Um, but, uh, you know, my process generally is, uh, particularly if it's a place I haven't been before, uh, to take pictures and, and to make some notes, um, if, you know, if, if, if I know that a book is on the horizon. But, you know, as I said 20 years ago, I didn't expect that I'd write a book about Savannah. So you never know, you know, what's going to what's going to catch your fancy or what's going to catch the fancy of your publisher and your editor. So, uh, you know, a few a few notes and a few photographs wherever you go is probably not a bad idea for an aspiring writer. Well, and I, you know, Savannah, talking about Savannah, it's one of my favorite cities. And I was there this past year. And so I have some photos if you'd like me to share, because I'm one of those that <laughs> does take a lot of pictures. And, and even to my husband, like, seriously, do we have to have this picture? And then when we get home, he always appreciates them. But at the moment, he's not one that wants to stand there. So I have a few from Savannah, if you would like me to share them with you, my memories. But um, we're going to have to take a quick break here. And here's a funny quote that's on your website, Dorothy. This is, outside of a dog... A book is man's best friend. Inside of a dog, it's too dark to read. And that was my question. <laughs> so we're going to leave with that, and we'll be right back, and we talk with author Dorothy Love. This is Girlfriend on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Are you the kind of parent who just wants their kids to live the life of their dreams? Well, grab your kids and join 
How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. It's a lively interview and call-in show, Thursday, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. This dynamic mother and son team are on a mission. They want to empower kids to dream big and go after those dreams with gusto. They want to fill the world with kid entrepreneurs. Are your kids ready for success? Don't miss their fun annex, lively guests, and discussions. For more on Ann and Jack and their show, check out their website, howtoraisemillionaire.com. Then join the conversation of lively interviews and call-ins, and let's give our kids the tools and encouragements they need to build a future they can bank on, no matter what the economy throws their way. It's How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to Girlfriended, where we are talking with award-winning author of novels for readers of all ages, Dorothy Love, and she is currently at work on her 17th book, her well-researched, heartwarming novels of Southern life, friends, and family reflect the emotions, concerns, and values of women everywhere. And we want to get back to the question we started out with earlier. What book or books are on your nightstand right now? And I have to tell you, Dorothy, um, the book that is going to be on my, my nightstand is yours. And then mine. And then yours. Maybe, maybe I'll share. <laughs> Uh, Carolina Gold, because this looks like a fabulous book, and it's so up my alley. These are the books that you just want to carry you away into another world. Yes, absolutely. Um, So what book do you have on your nightstand, Dorothy? Um, Well, right now, because I'm in the middle of um, the publicity tour for uh, Carolina Gold, and uh, writing a novella that's due in a few weeks and uh, writing another novel that's due in a few months. Um, I haven't read, uh, I don't have anything on the nightstand right of this moment except um, a historical uh, mystery by a new writer to me named C.S. Lewis. Um, I had not um, discovered her before, and I just found her browsing in, in Barnes & Noble. She has a series of mysteries that are set in Regency England, and of course, you know, anything that's historical and anything that has a little mystery component to it is right up my alley. Um, and so I found this um, uh, Sebastian St. Cyr uh, series that she's writing, and so the the one book that's on my book stand right now that I'm about halfway through is called When Maidens Mourn, um, and it's it's very good because it, it combines my two favorite things, you know, the mysterious element, the romance, the hero and the heroine have just gotten married, so they're they're newlyweds and they're pursuing um, the the murderer of the bride's uh, best friend. So um, the details of life in Regency England, of course, you know, are so fascinating to me and, and the language that was used back then and all that. So that's the one that I'm currently um, reading. I just finished recently my favorite book of 2013, which was A Different Son by Elaine Neal Orr, um, story of a woman who, um, a young woman who marries a missionary in the 1850s and follows him to Africa. It's a gem of a book, one of the best I've read in, in a long time and the best book that I read last year. So um, that one, you know, I absolutely loved. I'm working on uh, reading When Maidens Mourn. And uh, I have, I just bought Donna uh, Tart's new book, The Goldfinch, too. So 
um, plenty of stuff to read when I get time from my own writing to do some treasure reading. Okay, so do you, when you're finished with a book, do you then sit down and, and read it from the beginning or the, to the end? Or are you, at that point, so done with that book that it's hard to do? <laughs> it's hard to you do. know, I, I don't go back and read them again um, because I have the same fear that a lot of authors have is that, you know, when you go back through, you're going to see, um, you know, a word you wish you had changed or, you know, something you could have done better and it's too late. Um, and really, you know, by the time you go through um, two rounds of revisions with uh, with your editors, I have an inside and an outside, an in-house editor and then an, uh, an outside house editor. Um, and by the time I go through two rounds of revisions and then the the uh, galleys come in and they have to be read and, and reviewed and, and revised and corrected, um, you know, by that time I've read through the book probably seven or eight or nine times, depending mm-hmm. on how many iterations it went through in the creative process. Um, and so I've I've never got, sat down with one of my books after it comes out and, and read through it again, um, basically because I'm afraid I'll find something I wish I had done differently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally get that. And that, that is, that's a very interesting process. You know, you hear of writer's block, um, you know, and you're working on a project and you're just, you know, staring at a blank page of paper. And that's, that happens with us even when you sit down to write something or you're staring at this blank screen and... Or if you're just even working on a project or working on mm-hmm. anything, you, you get to a point where you're like, I am so stuck. I can't block. even create anything. Yeah. I can't even think beyond this. When you get to those points, and I'm assuming you do, <laughs> how do you push through that and get to the other side? What what gives you that? Um, Tell us you do, Dorothy, it, even it, if you don't. Make yeah, us feel pretend better. Pretend that you don't. <laughs> Well, you know, I I have to say that, you know, I've been lucky in that um, I've never experienced what some people call writer's block. I, you know, I honestly, I don't believe in writer's block. I believe that, um, you know, people uh, begin particularly long projects like a novel. A novel is a commitment. You know, it takes me a year to read uh, my background reading, do the research, and actually write a manuscript that's ready to turn in. That's a long commitment. And a lot of times people... Um, you know, writers, particularly at the beginning of their careers, are so excited about the idea, oh, this is going to be a great story, and I'm really excited to start it. And so they sit down, and they start it, and they get, you know, two or three or four chapters in, and then, like you say, the blank page is there, and the cursor is blinking, and they're completely lost. And I do used to do a lot more than I do now, but when I taught a lot of writing classes and, and writers' workshops and seminars and that kind of thing, I used to say that writer's block, such as it is, is really... I believe, just a lack of preparation in, in, in forethought and planning. Um, you know, we talk about, in writers' conferences, we talk about in, in novels the sagging middle, you know, that middle part of the novel where, you know, you've got a great beginning and you know how it's all going to come in at the end, but you can't figure out how to get from A to B, uh, you know, through that sagging middle. And usually it's just because the writer hasn't taken time to actually think through the story, do kind of a formal, um, you know, plotting process of, you know, act one, act two, act three, and knowing where those turning points in the story are. So, you know, that's sort of my process is that I I don't begin a story until I have an outline, a pretty much, you know, an outline of what's going to happen in each chapter. And the outline, you know, may just be 10 or 12 words or a couple sentences, you know, well, here this happens, and then in chapter 10 this happens, and then in chapter 12 this happens um, to kind of keep me on track. And so, you know, I've never had 
writer's block per se. When you are doing, you know, other kinds of projects, like you mentioned, you know, if you're you're in the middle of something, whether it's writing a book or something else, and you're suddenly, you know, stuck and you can't figure out, I find that it's helpful to just walk away from it and do something completely different, you know. Um, work on something completely different, um, take a walk, call a friend, uh, read a book, um, you know, do something that's completely the opposite because it's, you know, it's sort of like if someone tells you, you know, don't think about a green elephant, you know, then all you can think about is the green elephant. And so if you're thinking all the time about, oh, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I don't know what I'm do, and I'm panicking and all of that kind of stuff, it just kind of tends to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, um, you know, whatever it is, if you're, you know, doing a craft project and you get to the point where you're not sure how to proceed or, you know, you're writing a family history for your grandmother or whatever the project is and you get to the point where, you know, you feel like you're blocked and you can't continue. To me, it's always been helpful to, to do something else. Um, you know, I, I will say that there have been times in writing longer novels when, um, you know, I'm, I still haven't worked it out in my head exactly how I'm going to get from A to B. And that's why I'm so glad that I get to work on novellas. I have one coming out in October and uh, one that I'm working on for next year. And those are shorter stories that are, you know, 20, 25,000 words. And so if I get to a point where I'm, I'm struggling with a plot problem in a longer novel, I just go work on the novella. And sometimes working on a completely different story clears my head. And that makes a lot of sense. And that it's sometimes you just have to change your environment. That's why traveling is such a great thing. It totally takes you out mm-hmm. of out of your the the normal in your life and you see things completely different and it does stimulate different ideas and images that you wouldn't have never have, have thought of had you not, you know, traveled or uh-huh. like you said, take a walk or work a puzzle or do something that just gets a no brainer thing and then I always find I have my best thoughts in the shower. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the shower <laughs> thoughts because you're just so relaxed and it's like if if I am am, am stuck on something trying to think through something, it's like a good shower in the morning. I, it can start off and just mm-hmm. I go for a run and I can I can literally do a whole workshop in my mind during a run and then you you get home and you already forget. <laughs> it's like wait, <laughs> I almost need to bring a microphone that you can just talk into while while you're running. Okay, we we're we're down to the last few minutes of the show, Dorothy, and I just have to ask you a question. Have you read uh, Francine Rivers' Mark of the Lion series by any chance? Um, I haven't. Of course, I've read Redeeming Love. Everybody's read um, Redeeming Love. Um, but I haven't read that, that Mark of the Lion series. Um, that might be something I should put on, on my to-be-read to pile. Yes, put that on your list. I just love that book. And um, it's, it's definitely one of those that, uh, I don't know, just cause you, causes you to really go back into that 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 time series. Well, and, and, you know, in the couple minutes we have left, again, thank you for joining our show and sharing your heartbeat and some great tips just on the process of even writing and just even the discipline of, of logging and keeping track of experiences in life so that you can remember them. And, and being such a great storyteller, your new book, Carolina Gold, how can our listeners find you and find more information about this book and what is a, a tip you just want to leave our, our listeners with just to encourage them and their learning and then using their influence? Uh, well, the, the, first of all, the book is available at um, all the major retailers. It's available online at Amazon. Um, I have a website, which is um, www.dorothylovebooks.com. Um, I hang out on Facebook at uh, Facebook slash Dorothy Love Books. 
Um, I'm there almost every day. To, uh, yesterday, I had my uh, my fans over there helping me name a character in this new novella that I'm working on. And sometimes I put a re- up a recipe there. Sometimes it's helping me name a character. Sometimes it's um, uh, you know some little historical tidbit that I find interesting. So I love love it when people come by there and you know leave a comment and and enjoy the conversation that way. Well, and, and we just appreciate you just sharing all that and, and allowing us to get lost in your books. And so what what is one thing that really, with your new book, Carolina Gold, that you want the readers to walk away with? Um, you know, I, I always hesitate to tell a, book, a reader what they ought to get from, from one of my books because everybody brings their own experience to it and their own expectations to it. But this is a story about reinvention. Uh, women across the South um, after the Civil War were thrust into roles that they never thought they would have to play. And it, all of them had to reinvent their lives to figure out how to go on without husbands and fathers and brothers and uncles and everybody who died during the war and fortunes were lost and this is why Mrs. Pringle actually went back to Chicora Wood was to try to regain some of her family's uh, fortunes because her father had been a governor of South Carolina and he died penniless almost because of uh, bad investments that were made in slaves and so forth before the war. So the idea of reinvention and how we as women, whether we're 19th century women or 21st century women, um, I think women are called upon more often to reinvent their lives. Your husband takes a, a job all, all across the country and you've got to uproot your family and move. Um, you know, your career falls apart and you've got to figure out a, a new career direction. So the idea of reinvention and ha- how we as women reinvent our lives has always been at the heart of all of my books and the Hickory Ridge series that I did previous to Carolina Gold in in those stories it was there were about three women having to to reinvent Dorothy, their Dorothy, lives and their way in the world hey thank you again Dorothy for joining our show and you can find more information on our website at girlfriendit.com have a great day thanks bye-bye Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's to-